Dr. Andrew Hawley. Welcome to the Active Life Podcast. Thanks, buddy. Glad, glad to be here. It's, I'm glad to have you here. I wish here was actually in person right now because I feel like I haven't seen you in like over a year. It's been a long time since I came down to uh, the, I think, the, the NEPA workshop probably. Yeah. Yeah, the NEPA workshop. That's the last time I saw you in person. So the, Too long. Yeah, that's right. The first time we saw each other in person, you came up to my house based on just some conversation over Instagram, right? Yeah, I uh, reached out via uh, either Facebook or Instagram. You're cutting out. Jim, you gotta cut, watch you guys. Every, every, everything you just said, cut out. Let's try that again. <laughs> so, so you reached out either over Facebook or Instagram and... And then after we reached out over Facebook or Instagram, we talked a little bit about what you guys were doing down there. I thought it sounded like a pretty cool idea, a pretty cool new venture for myself as a way to work with athletes in a different, different type of way than what I was used to in the clinic. So I came down and hung out for a day, kind of watched you guys do uh, work with an athlete from start to finish. And I was hooked ever since. <laughs> hooked ever since. It was, it was like a, 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 a drug that's good for you that you can't shake. Yes. <laughs> ever since that moment, I took the, um, yeah, I signed up for the classes and did the, um, the on the on boarding program and started with my one-on-one clients. Well, so, so, so what's your background, Andrew? So my background edu- educationally is, uh, I'm a, uh, sports chiropractor. Um, I've also got my USA weightlifting certification, my CS CS as well. Um, as far as sports goes, I was a high school and college wrestler, which kind of took me on the path of wanting to be in sports medicine and help injured athletes. That's pretty cool. How long have you been in clinic for now? Uh, 10 years. The Decade Club. 10 years. This year is 10-year anniversary. Congratulations. You're in the decade. I was listening to a podcast today, uh, actually with Mike Bledsoe, where he was talking about if you own a business or if you're managing a business, he thinks it takes a full decade to actually understand the business of your business. What are your thoughts on that? When he said the business of your business, what he meant was um, the finances, how to market, how to sell, how to attract new new clients and, and how to service them. So your last question kind of was in and out there. I, I heard everything up until the mic. Yes, yeah, so, I didn't get the exact question. So, so he said he thinks it takes people a decade to yep. understand the business of their business. Yeah, I would say that's hundred percent accurate. For the first five or six years, I think I was learning how to be the medical side of the chiropractic business, and then I was um, I went through a transition where I sold that practice to a new chiropractor. Ended up opening another car, uh, another office, and then had that one for three years, ended up selling that one to another new chiropractor. And then finally I'm, I ended up in my back in my home hometown, opening my third practice in 10 years. So going through the 10, the 10 year club, you learn more than just the medical part of owning a business, but the financial part of it, uh, how to run it, 
what's what's the best way to work in a way that suits my lifestyle and my family without giving too much to either side? And I think that that's if you're um, if you're doing it on purpose. You know, and what I mean by that right. is. I don't think everybody learns that after 10 years. I think there are people who are in clinic for 15, 20 years who still have no idea how to do their business. Yeah, we in in the first practice that we had um, in the sixth year, our lives weren't exactly what we had hoped they would be, albeit the practice was super successful, but the rest of our life had taken a back, a back burner to that stuff. So we decided to make the leap of faith that house practice a different mindset smaller smaller square footage less overhead less time away from the family and start making our lives how we wanted it to yeah how has that gone uh very well very well it was a transition period at first um, but I'd say that my chiropractic office is not your typical office. Uh, I don't have any staff. I outsource all the billing to a company in West Virginia. Otherwise, I'm the only person working in my office. I do the treating. I do the scheduling. I make my own hours. And I do everything. But it gives me the flexibility to be with my kids when I want to be with them and be a dad as well as a chiropractor without having to sacrifice either one of them. That's a lot of work to do all the scheduling and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I got, a, it took about, about a year to get used to it, but now I do a lot of scheduling, um, believe it or not, over a Facebook message, uh, a lot of scheduling via text, via email. Um, I am in the practice now where People know the best way to communicate with me is via text, via email. If I don't answer the phone, leave me a message, I'll call you back. But it's definitely not your typical chiropractic office. Why don't you just set up a Calendly link and let everybody schedule their own stuff? I have an OCD problem where I like to control everything. Okay. Okay. So I like to put people where I want to put them. And I know some patients need longer time, some need less time. So I like to be in control, which is why I don't have any employees either. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. You're the, the best digital staff member ever. <laughs> so, all right. So, so let, let's, let's go down that road though, because I mean, you, you love being in control. You're one of the original staff members for, for myself and for Jeremy. I mean, when, when you came on board, I think it was, it might've been just you. Is there anybody else who's even doing it or were you? Uh, I think so. Me, I don't think anyone else was doing it with me, but then me and um, Dr. Mike were on the same onboarding process. Okay. Yeah. So, so you were one of the first, if not, if not the first, you were one of the first three coaches working on staff with us. Yep. Yeah. So what was your trepidation? You had to have some concern early on. I mean, you're a, you're a control freak. You love your own business. You're making enough money. You don't need us. Why Correct. would you be like, oh, yeah, hey, babe, I know we got the kids. We want to do this new house thing, like the farmhouse. But uh, I'm going to go work for this company, Active Life, where I have absolutely no control except over my own clients. You know, um, I've been – we me, me and you have had a mutual friend for quite, quite some time, which is how I got a hold of you guys in the first place. And – 
what you guys were doing seemed really fun and really cool. I mean, I, I like the idea of reaching ath- athletes and uh, sports clients that weren't around me because we're, where I'm from, it's a very non-sports-minded demographic. But if I'm able to help athletes around the world or around the country via the, the computer, I think it's fantastic. I feel like one of my skills is that I can help injured athletes both with the mental aspect and with the physical aspect. So I feel like in my practice, I just wasn't getting that part of my tools being used because I didn't have that population and you guys did. Right. So that itch wasn't getting scratched. It was kind of like, uh, I need this for my passion. Is that right? Would you say that that's an accurate? I figured if I wanted to use my talents to help injured athletes, I had to go someplace else in my current practice. Yeah, fair enough. And did you have any concerns that the stuff that we do with people remotely wasn't going to work the way that you could help people in person? Um, I would say at first it was, I was surprised to see how good what you guys program did work without having without having any manual therapy or any soft tissue or any real eyes on the person, but the program worked really well. And I've seen some great results with it without having to have that face-to-face or the hands-on contact that I was so used to. Have you had any clients who we sent your way where you were like, um, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but this guy's way more fucked up than you think he is. And I don't think I'm going to be able to help him. Yeah, there there's been one or one or two that have come over that have been a real big deep hole to kind of climb out of. But once you what what you've got to I mean what what I what I've learned, I'm sure you probably know this by now too is that there's no such thing as starting too slow to build these athletes back up. Mm-hmm. One of my biggest issues when I with with either practice or just life in general is you want to make a huge change as fast as possible. And with some of these athletes, you just can't do that. They're just not ready for it. They're just going to blow up. So with those kind of athletes, you start really slow and build, build some confidence in those athletes. Sure. I mean, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not unlike developing skill in a sport where, you know, you, you wrestled at a fairly high level. You wrestled collegiately. When you learn how to sit out and turn in, for example, you don't learn sit out, turn in, quarter Nelson, you know, spin around, like you don't learn seven things the same day. You learn, okay, I'm going to get out of this position and this is how I'm going to do it. So let me do that a thousand times today to build the muscle memory, to do that when I need to do it without thinking about it. Correct. And that's, that, that's what I've learned through this process is that it just, there's no such thing as too small of a step forward. You take, if you try to do too much and too soon, People get frustrated. It's not going to work. They're going to get re-injured. And having that communication with that client, I've seen to be invaluable. So can you describe the communication that you're talking about? Because I think when people think about an online company and and you're well experienced in what we do, I think that their initial thought is probably, I'm going to get emails back and forth with my coach and like, okay, how is, how are you going to communicate with me in any kind of a meaningful level? remotely so communication for for me during this process is gigantic i need to understand uh where the athlete's coming from and what what their goals are 
But just because you're not talking face to face in in person, um, you can still have very meaningful conversations via email or via Skype or via via a phone call. And it's more than just, you know, how did that set go? How did that wave feel? I'm trying to understand who the person is, what they're trying to accomplish, and what really makes them tick so we can understand how best to build a program. But just because it's online doesn't mean you don't have very deep conversations. Can you think of an example of a deep conversation you've had without telling that person's name or, or anything specific about them? Yeah, I just had one re- re- recently within the last week or so. It's a, uh, it's a high-level Olympic weight lifter been talking about taking she's cutting out a bit again has gained a lot of negative connotation lately so hold when on. I, you, you, you cut out there for a second so a high level olympic weightlifter and then what'd you say um he's a high level olympic weightlifter who's been kind of stuck in a rut currently as far as weightlifting goes and amidst our conversations i feel like it was due to in large part because he was putting too much pressure on himself. He wasn't taking care of himself. He was trying to do too much inside the gym and outside of the gym. So we've had a lot of conversations about taking care of himself, saying yes to only things that add value to his life and starting to be more selfish, both in his own life and at the office as well. Well, so, so, so how did, okay. I want to dive into this. How did you figure out that this guy was saying yes to too much stuff in his life? You're writing his reps and sets. How did it get to, dude, you can't say yes to everything in your life. How do you even know he's saying yes to everything in his life? We, I, I talk more to my clients than just what they're doing as far as exercise goes. And I try to be, I try to pay attention. So he's the owner of a weightlifting club. They just recently switched gyms. He's recently been offered the opportunity to buy the gym. He's also writing a bunch of other programming. He's also trying to compete at a lower weight. He's not eating enough. He's working too much. He's not sleeping enough. So he's been running himself ragged all while trying to lift as much weight as possible. (laughs) Okay. It's not an ideal combination. No. So we had to talk about, I'm like, all right, on a scale of zero to 10, when's the last time you felt good? Like, say, year. Okay. And so, all right, so he's been hurting now for, he, he he hasn't been feeling good for at least a year now. So... How, how did you get through to him that he needed to do these things? Because he hasn't done them in the last year. I think that he's um, one of those guys who is the, the man in charge. He's a leader. He owns the gym. He runs the club. I don't think he has a whole lot of people. I don't think he, ha- I don't think he has a real a coach other than somebody who's telling him what weight to lift, other than someone telling him what macros to fill. But I don't think he has this void where has this guy who's like, listen, you're doing too much, man. Like, right. So how'd you people, get him to listen? I had a lot of conversations with him. And I think I'm now someone that he trusts on more than just a weightlifting level. I'm like, dude, listen, like I have your best interest in mind. Like I'm not gaining any 
notoriety based upon how much weight you lift. My job is to get you healthy and to get you healthy. You need to do more things outside the gym and start taking care of yourself or else I can't help you. Did, did, did you feel like that was a light bulb conversation for him? I, yes, I feel, I feel like that was a very big light bulb conversation. I feel like his attitude has completely changed over that last conversation. I feel like he's starting to take what I said to, to heart because I mean, in all honesty, what he was doing wasn't working and, and he knew that. And how's the conversation? I mean, do you, do you know how his conversation with his other coaches, weightlifting coach has been? Because the first thing people are, are thinking about if they're in that guy's situation is oh, I got this other coach who I like, who I trust, who's done a good job for me. Now I'm going to bring somebody else in to tell me that what I've been doing is wrong. Like, how is that going to work? How is, how's my other coach going to take to this? And how are you going to communicate with my coach? How is this just, how is this all going to work? Yeah. I think that, uh, when an athlete has a few different coaches, it could be tricky for sure. Um, I'm just trying to get the point across to him that all that my, my end goal is to get him healthy and to get him feeling better. And then the rest of his day, the rest of his program is going to fall into place. But until he gets step one accomplished, then it doesn't really matter what the other coaches say. But the way that I let it down to him was, I think his other coaches were kind of hinting at this, but I think they were a little afraid to make the declaration of like, yeah, you need to bump up a weight class, you need to sleep more, you need to eat more. I don't think they were really fully committed to making the decision for him. Sure. It can be tough when you're close. You know, it's we, we do have the advantage in some way, shape or form of being remote. It's, it's like you get to give advice and then go away. Absolutely. And I feel like by being remote, you don't really have like there's not a whole lot to gain. Like, like if he does really well in this program, or if he does really poorly in this program, I mean, no one's really going to notice, but if <laughs> so, like I'm here trying to help him. And I think he knows it's more sin since here, because I don't have a whole lot of fame to get if he does really, really well. And so, 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 so another question is a lot of people know active life for the strength balance stuff, you know, for the, the squat should match the hinge should match the overhead squat should match the front squat. When it comes to someone who is competing in weightlifting, that kind of goes out the window a little bit. I mean, there's, it's still there, but his squat most likely is going to be higher than it's supposed to be based on the ratios that we govern with. Have you found that to be the truth with him? Have you found that his squat is better than it's supposed to be compared to his deadlift? Yeah, his uh, strength numbers are all over the place. His squat is gigantic. Sure. And... and so, so yeah. how, how do you, how do you manage for that when that's a competitive advantage in the sport he plays, but we know that that kind of a, a gap can actually cause mechanical dysfunction and pain. Yeah. That's something that, that, that we're currently working through now because he does have a history of lower back issues, some knee issues, and his squat is crazy high. Like what, what is crazy high? What, what, what does he squat? What does he deadlift? Well, you know, I don't know. I can find out for it. But if you give me two minutes, I can look online you, and find you, out. You don't have to look. Is it, is it, I mean, is he squatting over 500 pounds? His squat's like four, uh, like 475, 480, and he's an 
kilogram lifter. Right. So the guy weighs 175 pounds and he's squatting 480. And what is he, what is he, is he, is he deadlifting over 500? I'm going to say no. I don't, I don't, I don't I, think so. Right. So, so the guy's deadlifting and squatting about the same weight at best, which right. means everything he does, he's going to want to squat. And the reason for that is you pull the weight off the ground in weightlifting, it's a squat. Ankles, knees, and hips are opening at the same time. You catch the bar on the bottom, you stand it up. It's a squat. The only hinge in weightlifting is the second pull, really. So the guy's not getting a lot right. of training on his on his hinge. In fact, if you if you work with high-level weightlifters, you know they don't like to deadlift in the conventional way because it's not beneficial to what they're doing. So Yeah, when we first started program, he's as in conventional. How long, how long has it been since he conventional deadlifted? What did you say about his deadlift? When, when, when we first were going through the program, he hasn't conventionally deadlifted in probably a year and a half, two years. Yeah, and he probably squats five days a week in some way, shape, Correct. or form. So Correct. understandable for a sport. How do you work around that? How do you get a guy like that out of pain when, when it's not really an option to say, we're going to hinge all this much? Well, the... He he just had his last competition um, a week ago, and I've only been working with him for about three weeks. So this is kind of I didn't have a whole lot of time to get ready for it. And he kind of he didn't bomb out of it, but his clean and jerk has been stagnant for about a year and a half. He just can't, no matter what, he 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 can't get over a certain weight. So this was a real eye, eye opener for him. So I think that we're going to be to the point now where he's done competing for a while. We're going to really strip everything back down to the basics and try to build him up, building the hinge to the point where he's a well-balanced athlete now. Now that you're giving me the timeline of, of this this client, I remember doing the, the phone consult with him. <laughs> and I remember being like, oh, man, this guy, like he's young. He's, yeah. he's athletic. He's talented. He knows somebody else who's worked with us and gotten the result that he desires. And on the phone, I still I, I told him this. I felt like there was a level of disbelief from him that this was going to work. And I told him before he signed up, the only way I'm going to let you pay us is if you tell me you think it's going to work. So I made him do that before we signed him up. Yeah. Um, so how, how is this stuff influenced, if at all, your your local practice, Andrew? So uh, along with my local practice, I've also got a, uh, have a practice – the gym as well. I practice in a what? The athletes who are going through the same problem all my online athletes are going through. And so I use the same program, the same platform, the same, the same everything to get my in-person athletes healthy, just like the remote clients as well. I mean, it makes sense to me. It just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So if you had the opportunity to take the wisdom that you've gained through all of your career of athletics and your career as a chiropractor and a coach and impart it onto people and say, hey, boom, here you go. It's now in your brain. Do something valuable with it. What would you want people to know? The biggest thing that I preach to all of my patients and all, all of my athletes is that they need, you know, what 
sports is just a small subset of what life is, but unless people are doing stuff for themselves, saying yes for the right reasons, they're going to end up in a rat race that they don't want to be in, whether it's professionally, whether it's athletically, they're going to end up in a hamster wheel. They just can't get out of until they start figuring out why they're saying yes to things and saying yes to things that add value to their lives. I love it. So say yes to the right things, say no to everything else. That's it. It's a pretty, it's a pretty easy mantra, but it, but it works. (laughs) But it works. Andrew, I'm almost getting tired of seeing your clients tagging you and us about how great they're doing. That's a good thing. It means that you're killing it. I'm having to go in there myself and be like, Double tap it. Okay, I like it. Hey, great job, buddy. And I'm like, I'm getting tired of writing this to people. But <laughs> but at the same time, I'm very happy. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on staff. You've been on staff since the beginning. And, you know, one of the things people don't know about working with our company is that everybody on staff has and has had the opportunity to influence the way that things have gone. And I believe that you have been a valuable person at influencing the direction of what we're doing, how we communicate with our coaches, how we communicate with our clients. And I appreciate that input from you as we've tried to grow as a company. I think, yeah, I think joining your company has been, been fantastic. I think it's been great for me to not only help athletes world worldwide, but it's been a, you know, it's great working with you. I've learned more from you than you probably can imagine. And it's great having you as a resource. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. All right, Dr. Holly, I'm going to let you go and enjoy your day and take care of some patients because you probably have 50 texts waiting for you right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Later, bud. That's a wrap for another Active Life podcast, guys. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you're going to wherever you listen to podcasts and leaving us a five-star rating and a review. We want to grow this thing. We want to change the world. It's not about movement. It is a movement. Please help us out with that. Remember, till next time, turn pro.